Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham. I have with me a one-man show, an expert who has uh, seen a lot on Amazon, has uh, scaled a business to 10 million in sales, sold it, and now does, he now he's a one-man show and, and has been helping a lot of, of sellers, but he has a different approach to this. Um, so, but first off, let me just like welcome uh, John Elder from Black Label Advisor. Um, Scott is so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So um, I'll I'll tease you that like when I first, well, there's a reason why I connected uh, your name, you know, Black Label Advisor with like Black Hat Tactics. Yeah. It's because you have experience with dealing with Chinese sellers. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like I was like, okay, he 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 knows how to like work against um black hat tactics and so that's the the reason for the name but i i i think i was probably just drawing my own conclusion yeah yeah it's funny it, you know i when i created black label advisor had no idea you know i didn't even connect the two the two things the the history there is you know black label whiskey is something i really enjoy exclusive smaller batch whiskey companies and uh that kind of you know promotes the idea of exclusivity and uh, just tying in the the label part is pretty straightforward for private label sellers and just providing a one-to-one -one consulting experience uh, from someone who is uh, very successful on Amazon and, and beyond um, and uh, just providing that just really unique experience instead of handing you over to an employee, which, you know, a lot of people have told me like, oh, you need to outsource, you need to outsource, but I, you know, keep coming back to my model where I want to provide that unique experience for an exclusive set of clients who want that time with yeah. myself. So it sounds like uh, you do a uh, uh, strategy um, as, as one of the, the, the main uh, offers, a strategy on a lot of different things, but yeah. um, there, there are some things to outsource and that's like, you know, more of like, like work, but um, when it comes to like outsourcing strategy, that doesn't seem like a great idea. You want someone that yep. really yep. Um, knows something, but when it comes to like outsourcing, say graphic design or, uh, you know, absolutely uh, uh, copies, like that's the type of stuff that you outsource. And in fact, um, so, uh, I, I think I kind of made a mistake. I bought a private label business a, almost a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. And I, I just thought that I would do a better job because I have, you know, tons of Amazon experience. Um, and, and here I am a year and a half later and we haven't done enough optimization that, that we should have. And yeah. so now I've corrected that. I'm like, no, we're going to build a, a, an internal team for this business, like just focuses on this business of optimizing. And, and so like yeah, that part we've outsourced, but like, you know, we're the ones that are pushing the, the ideas and the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I say that just to like highlight, like, and differentiate what we're, we're talking about. So I, I jumped over a little bit of your uh, background story, but uh, tell the audience a little bit more uh, where, where you've been and, um, what you're what you're doing now yeah i mean so my background is actually commercial construction worked on uh, phenomenal projects like san diego airport and you know it, i i assumed i was going to be in that industry you know forever you know you go to college for that degree and and you go and start working on these awesome projects but 
Um, I realized pretty quick that, you know, the three to 5% income ladder each year is going to, is going to be a little slow. And so I wanted to build something on the side and I wanted something that was a true legitimate business that had a potential, you know, of exiting, uh, for multiple seven figures someday. And so I did the typical research and, you know, what kept popping up and this was, uh, 2014, uh, was, um, selling your own brand uh, on Amazon and beyond. And that really piqued my interest because I've always been really interested in product ideas and branding and attractive packaging. And so I launched my first golfing product. Um, story there is I, you know, I did a ton of research. It probably took me six months to get educated on the process of what the Amazon ecosystem looks like, and then get educated on, you know, what is the best product to launch. And, and I just went with an interest of mine. I grew up golfing and uh, launched an accessory item soon became number one seller on Amazon in that category that ended up growing, uh, that into a brand. And then I launched, uh, four more brands, um, over the coming years. Were, and, were they, were they all related to golf? No, no. So every single brand I launched was in a very unique uh, yeah. vertical. Oh, yeah. maybe we're competitors. I've got a, a a product that is a golf putting, like the a little hole that you put in your office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I think I actually looked at that product for, uh, you know, during expanding the the golfing brand. Um, so I probably researched one of your products. Yeah. Um, this, this is, I mean, I, I didn't launch it. I, this is the one that we, we acquired it actually does pretty well for us. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a funny, uh, I like it, you know? Um, but I liked a few things that you said, you know, I was actually with one of my best friends yesterday who, uh, he quit his government job. He's been flipping homes, but wants to do something on the side. And like, he's been really talking to me about Amazon and, um, one thing that I keep hitting on, I was like, you kind of have to like research. Like, I don't, I don't want you just to like, you know, go to Alibaba, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, use a tool that like helps you think that like there's value here and, and just think that that's as easy as that. I'm like, oh, there's a little bit more work here. It's fun. It can be fun work. Like you learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. And so I am happy to hear like, you know, you put in a lot of research and time there. Um, so, but then you exited this business. Uh, you, you sold it before the aggregator craze, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I sold in uh, late 2019. So that's pre-COVID as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, well, I, I always, go ahead. That's like right when the aggregator started. So, yep, so. yep, I know, crazy timing. Um, and I actually, I actually work, um, in tandem with some of the big aggregators. I consult some of them. Um, um, so it's, uh, it's the industry has changed a lot, but the, what, what has really changed is the multiples. So now we're seeing, you know, six and eight X multiples. And so it's, it's a completely different market now, but in, in it's, it's, it's just different now. I mean, the, the emphasis truly is on branding. You see those multiples if you have the right brand. Yeah. So right brand, right product idea pipeline. And, and a little bit of scale. You can't see that multiple if you're, you know, subscale. Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, you were, we're looking at, you know, you know, seven and eight figure brands yep, um, yep. who are very established. Um, and we're also, you know, you have to think outside the box a little bit. It's, it's, it's bigger than just Amazon now. So they're really looking for direct to consumer sites. They want to make sure your Shopify is optimized. Uh, they want to see a strong, robust email list. 
And, uh, and, and more and more, we're going to see a lot of interest with Walmart and like, are you selling on Walmart? So, um, you know, it's definitely bigger than just Amazon. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, um, one of the things that most intrigued me uh, that you talked about is, uh, that you have, uh, I've never brought up, uh, you know, selling directly against Chinese sellers or yeah. people that may be, you know, uh, manipulating something. Um, they don't have to be Chinese. They can be, uh, but like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an aggressive marketplace and, uh, competitive. So, um, tell me a little bit more experience with that. Well, pretty much everything you could think of from a Chinese seller standpoint, I've gone through, unfortunately. So, you know, over five years of selling in Amazon, it, it, you start to really get numb to a lot of the issues. So, you know, the very basic issue is, in, in, and I will say it's 99% of the time, especially now you can see their address for um, uh, for your 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 business yeah. on Amazon. 99% of the time, it's going to be a Chinese seller. That's just reality. Um, so the most common issue is, let's say you're a leader in the space, um, you're, you're, you know, you have strong margins of 30% and everything's fine. Um Oftentimes what will happen is you'll have a flood of new Chinese sellers come in and undercut you by 25%. Um, that puts a lot of uh, pressure on your brand and it's really tempting to drastically lower your price to compete with them. And what happens is these sellers, um, they'll make a little money and then they'll, they'll disappear and then they'll get replaced by a different Chinese seller and they'll make a little money. And what a lot of American sellers need to understand is, you know, a dollar for a Chinese seller goes a little further than it does in America. So, um, you know, they're okay with, you know, 2% margins, you know, whereas, you know, if, you know, we have all sorts of expenses and cost of living and things like that. And, you know, we, we want to be seeing that, you know, 20, 25, 30% net profit. So, you know, that's a very, very common issue. Uh, to combat that, obviously, you are really focusing on product innovation, um, staying ahead of the curve, never being content with your product. You should always be looking at your product listing. And this is something that was really hard for myself for staying disciplined was, is it is it perfect yet? And the answer every single day was no. And it was always a question of, can I improve the material for a product? Can I add accessory items to this product? Can I improve my owner's manual? Is there some something in uh, customer service that I can manipulate, um, you know, get stronger at? So I was always thinking, how can I be better than everyone uh, coming to take away sales from my business and to really, you know, protect my market? Because I didn't want to give up the net profit. So a perfect example was an outdoor kids toy. And, um, I was, I was the number one seller for that product had like, you know, 10 variations on that and, uh, had a ton of Chinese sellers come in, but here's the thing they were sourcing. They hadn't done any of the product innovation. They were sourcing inferior materials. So under the sun, their, their product got ripped up. I mean, within two months, this, the UV rays had, had destroyed the coloring of the product. The material was ripping. And so over time I had, you know, improved that. And my product was UV resistant and I had upgraded stitching, like all those tiny little details that a lot of sellers don't think about. For example, single stitching versus double stitching, the quality of the stitch material, all those things are product innovation things that it's yeah. really getting into the weeds. 
but it will set you apart in terms of the quality of experience for the customer. So um, that was a very common story uh, for uh, Chinese sellers. But, um, you know, one of one of I would say the second most common thing was, you know, a black hat seller, um, you know, leaving negative reviews on your listing and trying to get that upvoted. Unfortunately, in the Amazon ecosystem, that's really not something you can do except for every one, you know, obviously fake review. Sometimes they would fake injuries, for example. Um, All you can do with that is try to get 20 more positive reviews and push that down. Um, And so, you know, a lot of the times you just have to continue to focus, continue to build and make sure email autoresponders are optimized and, 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 you know, hedge yourself against that. Um, and then, you know, another frustrating thing that happened all the time was, um, false infringement claims. So there'll be a Chinese seller that will say, you know, you took my trademark or they'll say like, you know, you're infringing on my design patent when it's simply not true. Um, and this gets into a conversation of what is necessary for sellers. And now you need to have a strong Amazon centric lawyer on retainer. And so when I say on retainer, you're looking at like a couple grand where you've already paid him and you're going to use them at some point. It's almost guaranteed now with how aggressive things are on Amazon that you will use his services. So he, are you referring to the wait, the account manager? Um, no, no, this is an outside, this would be an outside lawyer that represents. Oh, you. he's a lawyer. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a very, very, the legal world's very complicated and dealing with Amazon legal department is, is something you want to leave to lawyers that know exactly what they're doing. And so they basically go to bat for you and they protect your design patent and they protect your trademark and any false infringement claims get dealt with in the reality is that Amazon is extremely agreeable to someone saying, Hey, this seller is infringing upon me. Amazon will take your listing down almost immediately, unfortunately. And this is something that, um, you know, you can go on Twitter and follow my account and lots of other accounts that deal with this, but you know, Amazon needs to really reform that part of their ecosystem because they're way too quick to say, oh, okay, Chinese seller, sounds good. I'm going to take down this Amazon, this uh, American seller's listing with, with, with no research. So um, the reality is you need a strong lawyer to deal with that in that moment and to not wait and be like, you know, oh my gosh, I need to find a lawyer like today. Um, so that's, that's really changed, but that, that really is the solution to that. A a strong lawyer can get that resolved very, very fast. Um, and then I would say the last thing that, that is really, really common is, uh, just Chinese sellers hopping on your listing and selling as a secondary seller. And so when you have brand registry and you have a trademark and, and you have access to tools like project zero, you can get, you can get those sellers remove pretty easily actually. So, uh, in, within brand registry, you can, you know, claim, you know, copyright infringement that they're using your trademark or your logo without your permission. Um, there, there are a lot of tools to combat those types of situations. So, um, and then, um, I also have heard of sellers, uh, uh, hmm, trying to manipulate the, the product page, like with the content. 
Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately there is hacking software that's out there. Um, I still to this day have yet to meet someone who has access to that software, but there is software that exists, um, you know, used in foreign countries where they will actually hack into your listing and the most common strategies to add uh, really inappropriate keywords to your search terms. And basically what that does, that that's an, an immediate red flag for Amazon system and your listing gets taken down. And then, you know, sometimes Amazon will threaten to suspend you because you're, you know, you know, selling these, you know, illicit restricted products. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, um, uh, they'll say the right words to make it look like it's a, uh, uh, fertilize, uh, not fertilizer, um, uh, Pesticide. Pesticide. That's yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that needs to be reformed. I mean, sellers for years, including myself, we've, you know, been harping on this, but we want Amazon to lock down private label seller listings. If there's a trademark and you have brand registry, there is no, there is no reason yeah. you can't lock that down. You control all the intellectual property. So it should be locked down unless obviously you're giving yeah, permission there, to somebody. There's a lot of old school ideas that like Amazon has that they really hold on to strong. This idea yeah. that like, you know, this product page is like an amalgamation of like a uh, contribution from like many different people. Yeah. And that's how it started. Um, but and like if they if you frame it, I mean, here's why I think they should change it because you frame it like what's best for the customer is that we don't have people that like uh, that can take over a listing uh, from an established brand and seller, um, and so uh, yeah, like that's. I, I think a low hanging fruit on Amazon's end to both make their life easier and sellers' lives easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and some of the reforms have happened recently. For example, a, a lot of us sellers have, have requested for Amazon to enforce the uh, business insurance policy. So for years, you know, the Amazon has had a policy where, you know, their terms of service says it's required to have, you know, a million dollar policy for business insurance. And they've never enforced it. And so in the last couple of months, they've started to enforce that, you know, asking for, you know, verified documents, what's your policy plan. Um, and so that's, that's actually a good thing. And yes, does it increase a little bit of the burden for new sellers? Yes, of course. Thankfully, business well, insurance is dirt cheap. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where, you know, if you're going to have a terms of service posted, you should enforce it because that protects um, sellers across the board. Two things. One, they haven't fully enforced it yet. Yeah. Um, but like, it's clear they're getting ready to. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's uh, right. Like you said, like it, it can be a little bit of barrier entry. I think it is also best for the consumer um, that the products that they're buying, you know, if uh, a disaster happens, mm -hmm. um, this seller can actually come through and, you know, uh, a claim can get made and like, you know, uh, a payout can happen. Cause a lot of times we just don't consider like how the, the many ways a product could actually fail in a, in a, in a way that hurts. <laughs> um, yeah. I, my business, one of our brands is auto repair kits. It's not on the car. 
Um, so that's actually like why we don't have like nearly as much liability. Um, because uh, if you are actually selling auto parts, that's where things get a little bit tricky. But yeah. um, it is a repair kit. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, uh, you know, we have a little bit of risk in, in, in some in some fashion. But yeah, yeah. I actually used to sell a line of uh, kitchen butcher knives. And uh, we actually decided to stop selling those from a risk assessment. <laughs> okay. And yeah, so we had we had some um, some blades that actually were snapping in half when people were cutting into steaks and things like that. So it was uh, it was like, wow, you know, I can't, I I just can't. There's so many other low risk products out there that I can't, I just can't sell that anymore. You know, it's too risky from from an injury standpoint. Yeah, um, I like like there's so many products. I'm like, I don't think you should just flip this product, do it. You know, the, the Alibaba, like, I do think you should learn the segment. Um, and you need, like, what I mean by that is like, you need to understand the manufacturing, like wh who, who are the different players? Like, how do they market? And um, so that you're just not walking in blind. Um, Cause there are like, like you said, like there, there's factors that you don't always consider the first. Um, well, let's uh, jump into, um, you know, you're working very closely with clients. You don't outsource anything. You, um, so that's like your service. I actually not sure if I've met anyone that does that. Cause every single time I talk to someone, myself included, like, you know, they go the agency model. They want to like serve many, many people and, and scale and, and all that. But whereas you want to hyper-focus and give the right strategy. Is that right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do encourage, I partner with different companies. Um, for example, I partner with a PPC agency who has done phenomenal work for my clients. And so some of those things like PPC management or, photography and video production that will be outsourced. And those yeah, are partner, yeah. those are partner agencies I work with and I know the owners and there's a lot of trust built up there. And so every single time there is an outsourcing event, um, it's, it's someone that, that I would use myself or, you know, a company that has done fantastic work. So um, part of what I do is, you know, providing solutions for clients but I would say the vast majority of the time I'm working with clients, you know, one or two hours a month and we're going over, you know, strategy, branding. Um, it could be, you know, forecasting. I, I had a great call with a client recently uh, where the, the big question was, how do I position myself the right way for Q4 and then go into January and February, which is going to be a total dud for them. And so uh, there's strategies there with, you know, three PLs and offloading some of the, some of the inventory. And so a lot of those calls are, are strategic from an expense standpoint. And so uh, they're really good. I'll, I'll uh, add my own experience with uh, consultants um, and really like drive value to like what I feel like you're offering. But first, um, I just wanted to hit from your perspective when, like, when you're working with someone, what's like some of the first things that, like that are obvious that need work, uh, that people are missing. Yeah. I, I would say the very first conversation almost like clockwork is, is the products listing page. And so 
a lot of sellers, they, they might be doing okay. You know, some of these companies are actually pretty large, but they really never did proper optimization. And so also looking at conversions and when you bring up split testing, they're like, what, what are you talking about? And so I'll introduce tools like PicFu and I'll encourage them to, you know, split test their pictures, split test pricing. Um, and we're looking at every little touch point on their listing and, and, and reviewing it together over the phone. Uh, sometimes they'll have me do full scale audits where I'm literally, uh, it sounds harsh, but ripping up their listing. And it's typically a two page report. And they're like, okay, this is a lot of work. We, we're going to have to, uh, <laughs> this is a lot of homework. And it's good because each time they do that, they come back and say, John, our listing is, is going so strong now because of all the optimization you, re you recommended. And then especially the, the huge changes in photography. So a lot of the times, um, you know, products are just taken from different angles on pictures. There's still to this day, so many product listings where it, it's just not done properly. And you look at a company like, you know, Zesty Paws, who exited for over 600 million. And you look at how they optimize. And I always, I always kind of point clients in that direction and ask them, okay, are you being too wordy on your listing? Or are you, you know, really talking about those, those big picture, punchy things on your listing, on your infographics? And so a lot of the times we're looking at strategy, we're looking at theme colors, we're looking at you know, um, you know, for example, if it is a dog product, what's the dog product, what's the dog's face look like the angling, um, is it, is something on the picture taking away from the actual product is something confusing. If it's clothing, we're looking at actually optimizing the sizing chart. Um, is there a story there for your brand's mission statement? Are you wrapping in, um, you know, things like charity partnerships into your listing because, you know, a lot of people don't go down to the A plus content and that's a very typical place to put, you know, charity partnerships or from the brand. And as much as you can put into your pictures, the better. And yep. a lot um, that that's uh, what I, you know, I'm looking at all our product line and I'm like, why didn't we do this a year ago where I want the second and third picture to be, uh, the like where we're spending our time you know i want like high, just higher quality on images two and three looking at sd paws they got it you know like they have like uh really good pictures yep. uh, and yep. and high high resolution uh and uh, they're not doing anything on accident Absolutely. And so Absolutely. I, I love looking at it, having examples to be like, this is what we're going towards. Exactly. Yeah. And Zesty Paws actually did a full rebrand because they had like just really boring looking white bottles and they switched over to orange and that completely transformed their brand presence on Amazon. So they really overnight, you know, stood out. Orange is a really bright, loud color. And a lot of pet supplements just have really boring packaging that doesn't evoke emotion. And, um, and I'll tell you what, if I was looking for supplements for dogs on Amazon, Zesty Paws would be the first place that I would look because their, their listing just stands out so much compared to the competition. Yep. Um, I, I love it. I love it. I, I totally agree. Um, they actually do a really good job of filling out the picture and making the product look like full. Um, I mean, obviously we, we could spend all day auditing, um, doing stuff like that, but, um, I'm going, I'm going to relate, 
uh, what your service, I believe you're offering to like a service that I pay for. So um, I've been focusing on Smart Scout. You know, it's the software tool for uh, Amazon sellers. Uh, it's been kind of a side venture, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm putting more of my time in that. And I actually found a, you know, an expert in the SaaS world and I pay him uh, $1,500 a month uh, for uh, just like, you know, a little bit of consulting and um, it's, he's made a huge difference and uh, really helps me like focus. And he uh, like, I just like love uh, learning uh, and um, there's a lot of times um, there's people that have, just been, have more experience or more focus and that you kind of need to jam your ideas with in a situation where like, mm-hmm. yeah, like where they're also invested as well. It, it, it's, I, I, I totally, um, you know, uh, can promote that and probably should do that with my Amazon businesses just from a strategy point of like, what should we spending our time on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause if you don't, if you don't have, I'll tell you what happens when you don't have a plan. <laughs> you start checking in on sales and you start looking at your PPC and you don't actually do stuff. You just check in. And yep. I, I think, um, you know, having a, a, a plan of like how to execute is, is going to be way better than just, um, you know, doing random things. Yeah. So, and- and that's that's part of what I do at Black Little Advisor too, is just keeping people really focused on on their plan of attack. And so, the very first call that I, that I do with clients, I do an intro call, and uh, I'm always asking one question: What is your long term goal? It could be a five year goal or a ten year goal. Almost every single person is building the exit. So I'm like, you are talking to the right guy because. <laughs> That's what I do. You know, that is that I've helped multiple people, multiple brands exit. And, you know, the, the, the recipe is simple from a, um, you know, you can write it down on a piece of paper. This is what aggregators are looking for. And this is what private buyers are looking for, but the action that it takes to get there gets very complicated. And so, uh, just to keep them, you know, accountable and focused on each of those things um, is really cool to see because when they when they do take the action, they see the bump in sales, they see their net margin increasing, and they see the impact they're making on their customers as well. So it's um, it's pretty fun to watch. I yeah, love it. Um, and um, you're you're making me think about strategy for our private label business. Yeah, we, we've got a we got a strategy, but it's not the long term. It's no, we're just building out the, the creative team. Um, but, you know, super valuable. I love that you don't have, that you don't outsource anything. Um, Absolutely. Well, John, people that are like, want to reach out and like learn more uh, about uh, what you do, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm pretty active on uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook. So you can search Black Label Advisor on there. Uh, my website is blacklabeladvisor.com. And my email, if you want to reach out directly instead of going through my website, my email is John Elder at blacklabeladvisor.com. Um, and that's J O N without an H. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone listening, uh, you know, if you are, you know, a, a six, seven figure seller looking to, you know, you know, grow your sales, grow your revenue, expand your brand, um, it's definitely something that I, I love working with, with people who, want to take action 
Um, and uh, looking forward to uh, meeting anyone that's interested. Um, cool. All right. Well, I'm, you're the first that I that's actually mentioned Twitter. Um, and uh, uh, what types of things do you share there? Yeah. So Twitter's kind of an interesting world because um, I'm always my my success on Amazon was looking at niches. And I wanted to do the same thing with Black Label Advisors. So uh, Instagram is absolutely swamped uh, with people who, you know, they're pitching, you know, their course or, or whatnot. Twitter is actually very underutilized uh, for Amazon FBA. So there's a, there's literally millions of people that are on there, but there's no authority. And so um, I'm, re- I'm getting close to 5,000 followers on Twitter, uh, built that up in the last 12 months and uh, quickly have become an authority figure. And so I'm, I'm sharing every little detail I can in Twitter's obviously nice, short and sweet. So oh, today, for example, I'm going to be sharing with people. I just, I just followed it. And so you should look for me. I'll probably reshare your content and probably post awesome. it on, on, awesome. another, on another platform. That's what that'll I'll be great. That'll be great. Uh, so like, just to give you a, a, some perspective, like today I'm going to be sharing, um, a, uh, checklist of what to look for. If you are going to source an Alibaba, what to look for, what to ask your factory to verify information. A lot of people just say, Oh, they're, they're a gold, um, uh, supplier that should be good enough. And so I go into the weeds of what you, where you actually need to go. Um, I'll talk about, you know, combating hijackers. I'll go into branding. Um, you know, I've talked about, uh, brands like Zesty Paws, uh, best practices, um, you know, lawyers in PPC best practices. So pretty much every Amazon touchpoint, um, I'm tweeting, you know, between five and 10 times a day of, you know, very Amazon centric, uh, content. Yep. Love it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for jumping on um, and talking about uh, working against, you know, black hat, tap- black hat tactics um, from Chinese sellers. Absolutely. So this is John Elder from Black Label Advisor. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, stay tuned. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Share this episode with a friend that you think that needs a little bit more strategy in their life. And, um, and I'll work on my business so I can keep creating value for you guys. All right. Thank you. Take care. One, two, three. Yeah.